0: Digital, student-centered, creative, innovation, imagination, initiative, stories that matter. I'm Jo Elliott, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hi everyone. I'm here today with um, Antonia Pont from the School of Communication and Creative Arts, and Antonia is going to share with us some work that she did in T1 around sharing some readings with her students via Periscope. Antonia, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about the Periscope Readings and how you came up with the idea?
1: Thanks heaps, Joe. So I guess when it all happened back in March and we entered a kind of rapid transition to online, my main concern was really supporting the students and giving them a sense of regular contact that they could rely on and not being particularly tech savvy, probably neither more nor less than the average person, I just looked around for ways to do that easily because obviously transferring video files is a bit of a hassle. It's not always the easiest thing to do within Deacon systems. And maybe because it was pandemic, it seemed that you know we could just stretch ourselves to a more unusual options and see if they worked. So what I discovered by fluke probably was that Periscope was a video recording platform where if you linked it to a Twitter account you could have a Twitter video that was actually quite extended so that suited my purposes and my aim was to start every week for the students kind of at 1 p.m. so always at the same time always the same day and to read only for 12 minutes. So it was kind of a a thing that repeated, which I know from other kind of pedagogical contexts, that there's something really stabilising in a kind of teacher figure, just being there when they say they'll be there at the same time, same place, and so on, and then producing a kind of, I guess, a documentation um, that students could use if they weren't there at that time. But I think a lot of students also watched live. So basically Periscope, once you press the terrifying button, it's recording you live to all number of people all over the world who can interlope as they choose. And so I just had myself sit in the same spot in my house in a big armchair and I read to the students from one of the readings that we hoped that they would embark on for that week. And so yeah that it just it was wonderful it transferred immediately to a Twitter account I set up in relation to my kind of academic persona Dr Antonia Pont, and the students pretty quickly started following those who used Twitter. Obviously they didn't have to and then it was very easy also because you can post a public link to that Twitter documentation that's there sent over from Periscope. All of this sounds complicated, but it's really not. It's like turn on Periscope, make sure your account's linked and then uh, press play and off it kind of went. It's a bit terrifying because if you make an error, it's, it's still live. But um, that probably added an extra thrill to my Monday lunchtimes.
0: And no different from a regular live class, I suppose. Exactly. Having watched some of the videos, I love them. I just thought it was a really lovely idea, a great way of connecting with students, as you said, being in that space um, for them at a regular time each week, but also kind of personalising those readings and bringing them to life as well. What did the students think? How did they respond to it all?
1: I think they found it great. I mean, it's always hard to get feedback. Some students are very vocal. Um, you know, they, they, the followings happen. So students started to follow more and I, I would get random follows throughout the week. And I think a fairly probably like I feel like around the views would be like 80 to 90, sometimes up to 110 views for a reading, sometimes fewer. And the cohort's probably about 270. So it felt like, you know, maybe a third of the cohort were, you know, accessing things from time to time or or knew they were there. And I think they liked it. I think also it felt to me that leadership was really important in the pandemic and I'm the unit chair, but I have a fairly large teaching staff who are fantastic, but I sort of wanted to really show that sort of the leader of the unit, and I'm also the course director, so that was also signaling because it's an entry-level unit. It's kind of like the intake unit for our whole degree. I really wanted them to sort of feel like there was someone at the helm and putting a face to that. And, and also just doing the business of one of the core businesses of creative writing is to read. And a lot of students kind of are slowly coming around to the necessity of reading in terms of being inspired and getting started. And actually the best way to get started on writing is to, is to read something by a competent writer. It strangely makes you want to do it.
0: That's great. And I think particularly during the pandemic as well, I mean, I'm a real bookworm myself and I found it a little bit difficult to get stuck into reading during the pandemic as well. And I've heard that from other people. So I think particularly for the students, when they're coming into this, as you say, it's one of the first units, they're coming into a a new area, they're trying to do their own writing, but then in the middle of this situation where you don't necessarily want to read or spend that time, do you think that had um, any impacts on how students were going last trimester?
1: I think I really have my teaching staff to thank for this, but I think we did immensely well, even though Deacon recommended taking a one to two week or even I think there might have been three week hiatus from classes, we just made a group decision that we would keep to what had been decided for the trimester. We would keep the assignment dates, we would keep everything the same and just kind of trust that the students would bumble their way across because I think from my experience somehow even though it can be stressful to go okay it's a pandemic shouldn't we have a 3 week break it's like it'll actually make you feel worse in the end let's all just do what we said we'd do let's stick to what's practically possible and so i think you know even if you couldn't read the readings if you just listen for 12 minutes you've done something and probably you'll be able to face the first assignment and yeah i kind of just emphasized continuation to the students rather than virtuosity you know it wasn't like oh yes you can write a shakespeare play in pandemic it's more like do your average worst, and that will be great, everyone. (laughs) Bringing in some sense of normalcy as well, I think. And of course,
0: students share their own writing in this unit. How did you set that up
1: online? So the A316 degree, which is the Bachelor of Creative Writing, and we also have a Master's level Writing and Literature degree, we've been working in the online space in this teaching area for a long time. So the cloud cohort is already quite robust. And in that sense, that's why we could do the transition briskly. It's not because we're geniuses. It's because actually most of the practices were in place at least for half the cohort. And then it just meant extending that in a different shape in a way, in a synchronous way to the rest of the cohort. So in spaces like Zoom and Blackboard, the workshopping model, which is used in creative writing pedagogy, can easily transfer there quite well. So students either share their screen where their document is, or they might even make an audio file um, for others to listen to, a bit like my readings, actually. So they often, you know, make an audio file or their tutor will make an audio file of their particular piece that they're trying to workshop. And it's actually not that hard, strangely enough. And sometimes, of course, there are disadvantages to Zoom, no eye contact, you know, other things that are tricky. I think sometimes the chat function means that there can be, for more introverted students, they can still engage in a way that they might not in a live classroom so readily. And it gives those sort of multimodal response options um, more space. So it really hasn't been the problem at all I don't think Um, I think juggling cohort size you know can be trickier online and people miss some of the aspects of obviously live teaching for good reason but the actual sharing of writing is is pretty seamless I think um, in that and people also you know I think now they realize they can set up writing groups with friends that, you know, we can also do reading groups online with friends overseas, you know, like ways of being together that, um, you know, let's all read a great novel together page by page because it's a great way to spend time, you know. So, yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting little experience the whole pandemic. Yeah, great. And maybe it makes it feel slightly
0: less threatening as well, sharing your writing in your own space um, as opposed to being in a classroom, which is slightly less Comfortable and familiar when you're putting yourself out there as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that it just depends on one's personality. I think students are some really want that face to face contact, and I'm sure they're excited that we might recover it soon. Others are suited more to an online mode, and hopefully we can have that diversity in the in the delivery methods, and that will cater for the students. We want them to feel comfortable, as you say.
0: And of course, as you mentioned, um, this was prompted by the shift to fully online learning although of course grounded in the fact that you'd already been doing a lot of this already are there going to be lasting changes like when we do get back on campus is there anything that you're going to keep doing slightly differently for the full cohort rather than shifting straight back into the way things were
1: It's a good question. I've just not been thinking about going back on campus because it just helps not to wait for it, because otherwise that's all one does, but uh, I'm not sure. Um, The workshopping model is pretty wonderful in some respects, when one is live in the classroom and when students like that mode. I think possibly some students will choose online modes. Which traditionally operate more asynchronously so I think what's been interesting with still having a double cohort in the pandemic so we've still had our cloud cohort which is asynchronous and then we've had our so-called Burwood or as if at Burwood distance learning model which has been synchronous and I think that's going to pose a a lasting question I think to all of us because there's an interesting aspect to timetabling distance learning because mostly cloud it attracts a cohort that for whatever reason just can't commit to a regular time and so That's how that's done. And I think I'm curious to see how we all organize and decide to move forward. I don't think I would stop doing the Periscope readings. I think they're really great. And I might just add to the library of them so that the texts have, more of the texts are represented in the readings. What we notice with, with first-year students is that sometimes they're not aware how a text would sound and the advantage of the readings and the lengthy nature of the reading. So even in a normal lecture, probably I wouldn't dedicate a quarter of it to just reading a story. You know, it would feel a bit probably squandering to use that much pedagogical time on just simply reading, even though it's not, because there's something so rich for many students who, let's say, haven't read Russian literature in translation, which, you know, is just playful and funny and clever and a bit absurdist, but they they might feel a bit locked out of the text initially let's say maybe they're used to reading more fantasy genre novels or whatever. And so holding their hand and and just reading the text and giving them a sense of that kind of live rhythm of the prose and of the author's, hopefully the author's intention to how it might sound. I think that's really powerful because comprehension for all of us is is a struggle. And many students are kind of just spreading their wings in terms of their exposure to diverse texts. And um, I think that was probably, that was the bit I was most thrilled with that they could hear it being read and go, oh, I wouldn't have thought I'd like that story, but when it was read out aloud, it was really cool, but I would have been a bit intimidated.
0: Yeah. As I said before, I think it's a really lovely way to kind of give that step in to to the literature and, yeah, really bring it to life and how it was intended or how else it could be interpreted. Thank you so much for sharing the experience and what you did. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share about teaching online, about readings, anything inspiring about creative writing to get us all started?
1: Oh, creative writing is the best. It's the best. You just try and write a lot of bad and tragic poetry. And if you do this for a few years, sometimes you, you write a less tragic piece of poetry or short story or whatever. I think it's really nice um, in the creative writing degree I think all of us have a real commitment both to preparing the students for industry, but also in giving them, I guess, a lifelong skill or a lifelong ability to have a space in their world where they can, um, I don't know, think through things, think through things on the page, think through things playfully and with privacy. No one needs to read what we write creatively. It's no one else's business. And sometimes we don't have many spaces for that kind of privacy and that ability to kind of um, say something silly or to make an ill-formed sentence where there's no consequences. You know, we can just screw up the page with the pencil writing on it and put it in the recycling. And that, that's totally fine. And I think, you know, students come back to me years later and just say, oh, I didn't understand what you meant by having a practice. Now I know that I've got this place I can go when I've got a really big life problem or a conundrum or a relationship issue. And I can just play it out in a story or in a kind of imaginary scenario and what we say to our PhD students and honours students is that creative writing is a kind of thinking, and sometimes it allows different solutions to be found that couldn't be found in a lab, that couldn't be even found in a critical essay or a, you know, or a report. There's, there's another kind of thinking that allows us to do, and I think that the fact that it can be really private and we can be a kind of what's the word, an incoherent version of ourselves that might reform into something new. And
0: an especially timely skill at the moment, I think. So thank you very much, and I look forward to hearing um, the next lot of readings.
1: Hey, thank you, Joe. Thanks for the interview.